Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And good morning for you, Michael. Always. <laughs> you look all pink and full of the joys of spring. I am. Um, yeah, you know what it is? It's, it's the warmth. Um, we're surrounded by warmth. It's all of a sudden you come back again. And it's like it's lovely. And I think it's here to, the veins. I think it's here to stay. You think so? My garden is absolutely looking lush and beautiful and gorgeous, but lots of hojos around here, I must tell you. Oh, I've um, seen lots already. Flies and ants and yeah. white fly, especially white fly. Oh, aphids. My goodness, aphids. But l- I saw, and, and I was quite encouraged as well, because I use no chemicals in my garden. Yeah. Yes, as you know, and... Um, I've been uh, I've been spotting ladybugs all over the place. I had one in my car yesterday. Did you save it? I did. I took it and put it in my garden. I saved a bee during the week. It was a really, really, it was a mission. Just this bee just didn't want to survive. And I just picked up this bee. I kept putting him onto the flowers. You will survive. (laughs) (laughs) It's Gloria Gaynor in the studio. What can we say? Um, But we mustn't be too complacent because it could be that there's still going to be a cold spell tomorrow, 10th of September, 1981. We remember what happened then. Yeah, I yeah. Do. but but let's not let's hope that it's not that drastic because um, so much is looking good in the garden. I've got a crab apple that is just so full of blossoms; it's unbelievable. It's never had so many blossoms mm. on in its life before. So, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of truth in saying that you know a little bit of stress does help the flowering plants a bit. Seem to just well, yeah, again. no, there's the water thing. Oh, man. Well, what Cape is... Town, oh, man, uh, you know, just reading reading about it during the week and the new, what are they, level five or level, level six? Level five, level five water restrictions. Um, restrictions now. in Cape Town now, and now the rainy season is coming to an end and it really hasn't done anything, so... Mm. I feel sorry yeah. for this. I mean, I was in Cape Town, as you know, not so long ago. Yes. And even then it was it was depressing and harsh. But we gardeners stay happy, pinch our cheeks, get all rosy, yeah. as you say. And, uh, yeah. But level five thing. means that, I mean, if, you, if they get, what, 85 liters of water a day, I think. Um, yeah, and I mean that's that's really it's a crazy think number. About, yeah. I mean they're saying now that you know this is how you can split it down and like one load of dish uh, washing your dishes. Um, that they're even saying you wouldn't even have enough water if you had to do all the other things um, to be able to drink your eight glasses of water a day. You'll be looking at drinking six glasses of water a day. Um, you know if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Being the way that you look at your water, uh, um, yeah. yeah, flushing the loo. Mm. Two minutes showers and catching the water so you can use that to flush your loo with I mean that's that's the way they are at the moment and I'm so tired of having fights with people on social media on who are holes. sitting there no no not even about the about our restrictions about our restrictions that oh, we yeah. have here where now you're not allowed to water between six in the morning and six in the afternoon it really is an admission then you have people going oh but you know so many gardeners are going to lose their work I'm like, how are they going to lose your... I don't understand the correlation between water restrictions and firing your gardener. What, mm. is it impossible for you to actually water your own garden? Is there nothing else for your gardener to do you, that you feel now that you must fire somebody because they're not going to be watering the, your garden for you? Yeah, that's a no-brainer. I'm sorry, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I get so yeah. annoyed and then people turn around and so rude and turn around and say, who do you think you are? The waters are. Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to become that. So watch out. Millie's on a rampage. And yeah. seriously, we all need to think about this. We've mentioned it before. By the year 2030, the supply of water is going to be outstripped by 17% by the demand for it. Yeah, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a while. I think, uh, you know, I can remember when um, Rand Water came and gave a talk to show garden students about five or six years ago and spelt it out first. Mm. And, uh, yeah, there's always this sense of, it's always like it's not my problem. 
Yeah, it's you not know, my problem. too much of that happening, me, I think. me, me. I'm sick and tired of the me yeah. generation. Get over yeah. yourselves, people, and do something that actually helps the environment. Talking about how, helping the environment, of course, um, one of the ways that you can do it is, uh, as Michael has said, be natural in your garden. And I don't think Michael and I use chemicals at all. Occasionally, I might get something which is a little bit more strong than other stuff, because if you have a really bad problem and you don't know how to get rid of it, then you can go that route. We're going to find out if there are ways of getting rid of things, problem areas in our gardens. From Gavin Heron, who's come in from Earth Probiotic, and it says enriching the earth, which I think is all it's, what it's about. Yes, Michael? Hi, yes. Gavin. Uh, hi. It's really fantastic to be here with you guys today. Now, okay, oh. tell us a bit of the background about Earth Probiotic, first of all. Uh, it's all my wife's fault. <laughs> I like that. It's my wife's fault. She did it, and I'm sticking with that story. Okay, yeah, uh, right. No, so we've been around now for almost seven years, so that's pretty amazing mm-hmm. that we've managed to survive um, for seven years as a business. Um, my wife had this idea, and I hated my job in advertising, and so I said, okay, let's start this business. So I gave up my job. Um, we became instantly poor. delved into our savings uh, started raiding the pension fund because we really just believed in this uh, business and we think that the the world's changed Mm. and it is changing as you guys have just been speaking about you know although Donald uh, Trump doesn't really think about it but climate change is a reality and we are going to have extreme weather events as we see all the time and we are going to have droughts I mean, I joke with people in Cape Town that actually we're going to become the wine-growing region of South Africa and they're going to start uh, growing millies. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. these things can all uh, happen. So we started a business and the real focus was what we call um, the last recyclable, which is food waste. Mm. And we always think that food food is actually – someone described a, a plant as a mineral miner because they're basically taking up nutrients out of the soil um, and then we get the benefit of those nutrients and we eat them, we be healthier. But then there are parts of it that we throw away, whether we over-cater or we just waste or we buy too much or, or, or we just throw away our peelings and the t- uh, tops of carrots and things like that. But if you think that those plants actually re- um, pulled up nutrients from the soil in the first instance, we really should be thinking about how do we put back those nutrients um, into the soil. Um, because we, are sh- and the other thing, we might have a water crisis in South Africa, but we also have a soil crisis. Um, How we don't, so? What do you mean a soil crisis? So, if organic waste should be about six, uh, organic matter in soil should be about six to eight percent of uh, the contents of that. And uh, recent studies come out that in the farmlands, we're looking at less than two percent organic matter uh, in soil. And a lot of our soil is turning into dust bowls through over fertilization, not enough organics being put back into the soil. So soil is uh, in crisis just as much as everything else. And um, I think there was someone who said that if we added, uh, just increased the organic matter of soil by 2%, we could also offset all carbon emissions globally. So soil is this fundamentally important uh, thing that we don't think about very much. Yeah, are, are, we, are we not putting enough back? I mean, I, I, it's quite weird. I gave, a, I gave a talk the other day to a group of gardeners, and the talk was on mulching. And I'm trying to get them excited about the whole yeah. concept of mulching and putting back and, and, and even using mulching as a designer thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Trying to get – and these, these people sat there. There was a lack of excitement in the room about the subject of mulching. How excited can you get? I get excited about I get about excited everything. about mulching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and but we're weird people. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are. I'm but playing but in the room, and I'm just wondering, are, are people excited enough about, about reintroducing the organic – I mean, what do we do with it? Are we just throwing it on heaps and wasting it? I think that what's what's happening, um, what what we're starting to see, and we're having a conversation with Garden Shop uh, fairly recently, uh, the new um, outlet in Waterfall. Um, 
No, not at the sorry, not garden. Uh, which which in Bryanston? Sorry, yes. uh, yeah, in the Bryanston Garden Shop. And they were sort of saying there's been this amazing like resurgence of interest in growing vegetables now. So I think that as soon as you start growing vegetables, you start thinking about soil uh, in a different way because mm. you're thinking about eating from the soil rather than yeah. just something that's sitting on top of the soil looking beautiful. And those are important things, uh, things as well. So we are seeing a, I think, I wouldn't quite call it a tipping point yet, but you are seeing like amazing more interest and awareness, and, and awareness coming yeah. through. But I don't think that people see systems yet. And we always see parts of systems and we think that that should be the focus. But we have to see a system of soil to plant, to compost, to rejuvenation, mm. to mulching, to water conservation, to biology. Um, and, you know, soil itself, there's some amazing books that have come out. Um, the one is called Teeming with Microbes, written by a Canadian uh, guy, Jeff Lowenfels. And he's written another two books called uh, Teeming with uh, Fungi and teeming with uh, contraband the other one but teeming with fungi I'd like to go teeming with fungi yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry Michael (laughs) it's just all about the importance of mycorrhiza uh, fungi in soil Mm. and what what the value is that it adds to soil and it's just becoming I think like a fascinating uh, aspect because you're dealing with macroscopic uh, animals microscopic fungi which are now has been seen as the internet of forests where they are the ones where trees communicate with each other through fungi strands so I think there's this maybe this great excitement that's coming around about soil, but I think that at the moment people don't really see it holistically. It's um, yeah. and that's why mulching is not excited because they're not really seeing what's happening with mulching. What's the effect? How deep does that mulching impact on your soil health and land? What happens to all these fantastic uh, critters that are coming out from the soil in order to process that mulch? Well, people don't always like critters, uh, and uh, that's what I was saying. You know, talking about the critters, talking about the wood loss and things, and people saying, "Oh no, I thought they were bad guys," and I'm like, "They're not they're bad all guys. good guys." Yeah, you know, it's, it's quite, And and Melanie and I were talking a while ago, and I cannot tell you how many times I think things start with a glimmer, mm. and they start with a spark, and. You know, the, the very active people raking up their leaves and putting them in bags to throw away. Um, just, just actually yeah. kind of shows where the mentality is. And it's saying, you know, if you could just even get that right, yeah. don't throw your leaves away. The garden services, these guys that rake up your leaves, and when you come there, it's just, as you say, dust yeah. bowl stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of glimmer we try and evangelize yeah. about and say to people, well, you know, throw those away. First of all, they mulch. Second of all, they become coppers, and they're all they're free. <laughs> well, what I, get, I get really frustrated when I see people, uh, especially agapanthus, where they've, someone's told their gardener to make them neat. So you get agapanthus, which look as if they're growing on sandcastles. Because yes. they've actually scraped off all the topsoil. Yeah. And you go, are oh, you absolutely crazy? But there's this thing about neatness, which I, I mean, I, we have a, a wild garden. You know, we've got four beehives in our garden. We have uh, earthworms. We've got five chickens. We've got dogs. We've got plenty of aphids because of the, the mild uh, winter that mm. we have. But suddenly this year, we've seen birds in our garden that we've never ever seen before. Because like you, we don't use any um, bad chemicals, uh, Monsanto mm. rubbish stuff. Um, so, but so, but suddenly we've, we've got uh, you know white-breasted sugarbirds, which I've never seen in Java before, mm. and I've never seen in my garden before. And suddenly they're all over the place. Lovely. So these and you know and and I think that people are also impatient. Stuff takes time. It's like pouring a Guinness. You know, it's not going to be. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a little slower than pouring it. <laughs> yeah. But it takes time and they evolve. But every, I think that we live in a society where everything's going to be fast paced and all these things. Yeah. But uh, let nature work for itself as well, you know, and interfere as little as possible, is my well, yeah. view. Yeah, I mean, you speak about tidiness, and funnily enough, I, I had a slideshow backing me up, fortunately. 
um, in this thing. And I got some inspirational pictures, and I said, well, you know, let's have a look at mulch in nature. And I showed mm. these beautiful pictures of forests Forest, yeah. and the forest floor. And, I, and then I showed a picture of even a park with all these leaves scattered. And, and then the same picture with, after somebody had raked it, and I said, which one looks sexier? And the one that looked sexier was the one with all the leaves all over the yeah. place. So, you know, we talk about tidiness, and we think tidiness is cool, but tidiness yeah. isn't cool because the leaves look so sexy on the floor. Yeah. You know, and that's, no, that's kind of what we're trying mm. to say is, yeah. I mean, these leaves look cool. Leave them alone. And they look, they make your garden look rich. And, but I think yeah. as well, that, you know, we had such a, you know, I wrote a, a blog piece on, you know, the, that about spring. Mm. But I think that, you know, you really get the benefits of working in winter in the spring. So mulching with the leaves making sure that they're all around and you know and we often see that people stop gardening in winter i don't understand it's like you're getting ready for um all the things that are going to happen in spring and if you have kept those leaves and raked them into your beds and all now's the time that suddenly you're going to get this massive benefit and also if we talk about water restrictions we need organic matter and that whether it's leaf mulch or uh, a different mulch to actually hold water in, yeah, in the Yeah, stop in evaporation, source. hold yes. back the weeds. You don't have to weed as much. I mean, I don't yeah. understand why people just don't get this. Yeah, maybe it's just uh, labor's cheap. But but this area where we are, Greenside, in the wintertime with these plane trees, and, and, this, and the worst thing is where you see people throwing the leaves down the stormwater drains. Um, because they're, they're too lazy to take them to whatever the, which the nearest green Just thing. Give them to me. I'll take all your leaves. I don't we care. used to drive around in a bucky and collect it once. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that in the past as well. I've taken yeah. them to places where I know that they're making their own compost. And there's so many community gardens uh, popping up, food gardens, yeah. that I'm sure that they'd be happy to take some of the, your things if you really have to get rid of it in your own garden yeah. no, to make compost so yeah. that you don't have to go out and spend money on compost. Well, that's, uh, we do a lot of work with commercial um, uh, landscapers and we talk to people about why aren't you composting on site, even though because we want to take mm. organics from the kitchen and mix it with landscaping waste. And they say, you're crazy because what you're doing is you're paying someone to move that stuff away and then you're buying it back in another, in another, in another form. form. So you're getting hit two times, plus the common footprint of transporting stuff away. It just doesn't make uh, any sense. Anyhow, um, we're, we're talking about um, how to make the earth a more enriched place with Gavin Heron. If you've just joined us, this is Grounded, where well, we're wondering if there is such a thing as a weekend if you're in the yeah. green industry. Of yeah. course, I've got uh, Michael Rickoff, the esteemed senior lecturer. You've actually just gotten um, another qualification, haven't you? Yeah, I just got through the moderator's course. The um, moderator's which was, course at yeah. uh, Lifestyle College, so well done for yeah, you. It was, well, it was, it was held at City and Guilds. It was the, the CSS course, so uh, it, um, it, it wasn't... You're it legal now. It wasn't necessarily exciting, but it was it was informative, and and it, it yeah, it says a lot about where our education systems is going. You know, there's a, a lot to think about and contemplate. As a moderator, you start yeah. having to look back at what assessors are doing and what facilitators are doing. So, okay, yeah, I did that, but um, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting and yeah, stuff. As, as you say, you know, the, I always say to my students is you know when they when they talk about a holiday or they talk about. A, <laughs> what is this holiday thing of which you speak? <laughs> <laughs> when you become a landscaper, you're going to feel... You work on the weekends most yeah. of the time because that's when people have time available. Of course, um, we are coming at you across the country on DSTV Audio Channel 869 and streaming live on 1485.org.za. And of course, we'll put a podcast up later if you want to find out more about what we've been talking about. And we don't just keep it to Joburg, although we are kind of you know community radio station in Johannesburg, but we, yeah. we talk about issues that are affecting our country as a, as, as a whole. Yeah, yes. Joburg is where you can see us in person. Yes. But you can, and I keep on saying it, you can download us. We are downloadable. Gavin, even you are going to be downloadable after today. 
Yes. Fantastic. So you, know, you, you were saying that your wife got you into this business where you ended up being poor immediately, um, Earth Probiotic. What, what do you actually do with your company? So what we do is we provide technologies that enable the composting of all food waste. Mm. So um, we have systems for households that we sell through garden shops, um, uh, nurseries, retailers, and also uh, online. And then we scale that up to commercial, and we've started manufacturing composting machines mm. um, that will process uh, the one that we've just installed in rural Livingston in Zambia. It will process five tons of food waste a month. Mm. Um, so those are rolling out. We've got going into Mozambique, uh, Zambia, uh, Swaziland uh, at the moment, so we're really excited about these things. So, have you managed to put some money back into your pension? So the money's <laughs> starting to come uh, come back, and then we also do industrial composting machines. We have mm. a machine at Empress Palace which is doing about forty tons of food waste a month, um, and it's all about and all of the things we've developed ourselves. We manufacture locally in South Africa. We don't import anything. Um, and so we're like really proud that we've come up with uh, South African solutions. And mm. uh, one of the key technologies that we use within any of these systems is uh, microorganisms. And even those are local South African uh, bacteria and fungi. Um, so keeping it local is like Yeah, we are local. Is like because uh, when we first started our business, we used to get people saying, but where do these bacteria come from? And they generally came from Japan um, or America. So you're going... Uh, well, you know, they're good for the soil, and we started, uh, you know... But aren't these bacteria everywhere anyway? But the bacteria adapt to specific local environments. Um, some bacteria work well in different environments. Some bacteria are bad for something. In a then why would you bring them from Japan? Uh, well, we don't anymore. Well, there you they, go, you don't. don't. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so. Do they, I mean, do they even know they're Japanese? Yeah. <laughs> the bacteria, I don't think they can. <laughs> they might, they might <laughs> have a kind of a bit of a culture shock when they arrive over so here. I don't <laughs> think they're ultra-nationalist in that way. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, so we work with the CSR because they have this amazing library of indigenous uh, microorganisms. So mm. we've developed a, a, in our Bokashi mix, which has moved forward. Um, we've also started to reduce our use of wheat bran in our Bokashi because of the whole issue around desiccation of uh, wheat with Monsanto and glyphosate. Mm. Um, so we're using more sort of different types of materials. So we've created a whole new sort of local is lacquer, but good for soil, good for the environment, try to reduce our carbon footprint uh, product in everything that we do. This is the thing that um, you said about uh, farmlands only having 2% of organic matter in their, in their topsoil. Well, I would imagine you're talking mm -hmm. about the topsoil. Surely the farmers are aware of this and would be doing something about it because ultimately it's going to affect them. Are they still well, fertilizing? I mean, basically. Yeah, so it's all, it's, it's really about um, the big fertilizer companies coming in and selling them a, a new solution, something that will help that. But, I mean, I think it's in the UK, they say that they've only 60 years of productive uh, soil left. I don't know what the number is for, um, for South Africa. But it's a global issue. It's not only a South African issue. It's over fertilization, then you're getting the, um, what there is, salt that's remaining. It's yeah. salt deposits that are staying in the soil. Mm. Um, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, so it's crazy. So regenerative agriculture as a good business, but as well as a climate, um, climate change mitigation strategy is becoming more and more popular, but still really small. Um, the whole idea of actually planting organically and farming organically and, um, you know, using heirloom seeds instead of uh, GMO seeds is also becoming really important. And I, mean, I have let my, I always let my, some of my letters go to seed and then I just shake the thing. Yes. And suddenly I've just got this beautiful batch of letters that has come out. 
And, you know, so we we just phone our neighbors and say, please come and collect because we've got too much more, it's more than we'll ever have. So, you know, I think that one starts working with nature, not against nature. I think that it's important. Farmers do know that, but you're talking about agribusinesses now. It's not really farmers. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I think that they are the people who should be paving the way and, and leading by example, especially when it comes to small farm people, like even if we're doing it at home in your own little small scale size of a door. I mean, they, we look to them to actually show us the way forward. And if they're continuing with these bad practices, that's really kind of unacceptable, actually. I think it also takes a long time. You know, I think if when we moved into our house, it had been a normal uh, suburban uh, garden, lots of pesticides, lots mm. of herbicides, um, all of these fertilizers, all these things that um, were there. And I think it took probably oh, three to four years before the sort of organic uh, component of our garden, and I think it's still happening. So these uh, residues or the results of bad practice, whether it's in farming or gardening, they can sit in a, uh, for years. Mm. So from a farming perspective, shifting that is going to bankrupt you in the very uh, short term. So it's really a chicken and egg. How do you start being uh, so low-till or low-till agriculture is becoming more popular because you're not pushing up so much topsoil anymore. So you're saving soil also from you know the free state. I don't know if you've driven through those dust storms in yeah. winter. That's all topsoil. That's yeah. just going off the that's land. When it's, it's good for Johannesburg because you stand outside in the back garden and look towards the south and you just see that big cloud coming and thinking, well, that's going to be good for my garden. All the topsoil. The whole of free state has arrived in Joburg. Yeah. Uh, it, it's quite interesting you measure the viability of 60 years for like arable land and yeah. decent soil in the yeah. UK, for instance. Now, has anybody even thought of, well, how long would it take to come right if we started to do the right thing? And, I mean, you're talking about salt deposits and stuff like yeah. that, which means probably you've got no microorganisms left in the soil. Yeah. So you'd have to encourage those back again yeah. so that what you put into the soil actually does become a food source for plants. But I, I mean, is there a number? Does anybody... I don't know what the number is, but you're getting some, you know, the, you know, ZZ, is it the tomato guys? Uh, the, the, what's it? ZZ? ZZ uh, Top? Uh, no, yeah. what is ZZ <laughs> Top? Um, so, I mean, they the biggest probably tomato growers in, the, in South Africa. They're very strong on regenerative agriculture. And they're using microorganisms as part of, as, as part of their whole system, putting mm. that back into soil. So there are examples of uh, commercially very successful um, growers, so specifically more in the vegetable fruit yeah. side than the maize side, which is probably most of our arable land. Well, there's certain um, tomatoes that I will buy. I mean, if they go like a little bit past their prime, they get thrown out of the window into the veggie patch, and the next thing I've got tomatoes everywhere, which is great. Yeah, yeah. it's a way to save money on buying seeds, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things that keeps coming up in a garden is tomatoes. We just well, especially cherry, t- cherry tomatoes <laughs> seem to be so resilient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I'm waiting for the, what do they call it, the money maker or the, you know. <laughs> Gavin, are, are, we looking at, are, you, are we looking at you as being an enabler, or are you an evangelist, or are you an evangelist? via enabling or do you evangelize as well without enabling necessarily yeah i think I, well i try and because we really I mean, like you guys we're really passionate about this uh, mm. stuff and um you know if we can convert one person who can convert another things stop start in small ways and i think that sometimes we we go oh it's too hard because i have to get a thousand people but actually, progress starts with the small steps. So mm. if one by one is uh, fantastic. And so we do, you know, talks like this. We do a lot of, um, we're at the, the Park, uh, Park View Spring Festival on Saturday. Mm. We will talk uh, more about that. 
So, and we are seeing like a big uptake in our composting systems, our Bokoshi systems specifically. Um, and it's really a bit noticeable over probably the last 18 months that mm. suddenly people have, you know, they can talk about it. And we, and we do these shows and people walk past us and go, oh, we've got one of your things. And, it's yeah, like, and it never used to happen. We all, we all kind of, um, well, not all, um, at Bokashi, I've, I've had one for a while. Have you mm. got one as well? No, I don't have a Bokashi. Um, I, I do plan on getting one. But I have to tell you something exciting about what we are doing is, um, you know, I, I sort of head up the, the show garden project for lifestyle, you know, when we do all these show gardens for students yeah. every year. And it's turned on its head in the last year and or two years, and it's going to be turned on its head even more this year because we are including these kind of things in show gardens in workable form. Yep. So that we're not just showcasing designer stuff anymore, we're showcasing responsibility and eco stuff. Yeah, yeah. It should be exciting for you. To yeah, and also we based that lifestyle in the lifestyle business yeah. park. So yeah. we're part of that whole uh, movement. And the I show think we'll be working with you actually yeah, in show yeah, gardens. Yeah. You guys will help yeah. us manage the thing. Yeah. So isn't that exciting? That no. I think we're going to be saying to the public, come and look at something different. You know, here's new and, and yeah. exciting. And it's nice to be able to put it out there. In and we're trying to encourage them to put, yeah. to put beehives in as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got um, one wild beehive, which took over an L-box I made. Um, and the gardener just wants to go raid it all the time. And they're going, no, no, no. He says, but this is why these things were put on earth. earth. So I said, no, no, no. They put on earth to pollinate, not yes. to give us, honey. give us honey. And I think, um, yeah. so we try to encourage yeah. lifestyle because there's so many bees around because of all those be beautiful flowers. Yeah, we love there, the bees. There. And everyone always chasing them off their Coke cans. And yeah, so let's put a beehive up there somewhere where it's obviously going to have to be safe and um, all that stuff. Something interesting you just said, and it, it's something I spoke to um, uh, Somebody who I think is who feels very strongly about this as well, Oscar Lockwood. Yeah. And Oscar feels one of the things he said to me, which opened my eyes, because I've always evangelized about bees, as Melanie will tell you. Mm -hmm. But one of the things he said, if we take the honeycomb out, that's the bees' food over winter. You yeah. Know? So we're not helping them by taking the honeycomb yeah. out. And I thought, well, you know, got a point. So it's a very good point that you're making, and everybody should sort of realize that, yeah. that to help keep the bees alive, to pollinate the plants, we need to leave their food alone as yeah. well. Yeah, that's part of what we do as a business. We work with um, Life uh, Landscaping with Oscar, and we mm. put uh, beehives into Siemens, mm. uh, where they do the have a natural felt garden. There. It's a beautiful garden that's managed by um, uh, Life Landscapes. And then also at Waterfall, we've got uh, beehives there at the moment. This is what Karen, my uh, the problem, uh, problem, my problem child. child, my wife, <laughs> <laughs> my boss, my wife, uh, started, started, started doing. Um, but, you know, we also need to start talking about, you know, p people talk about bee relocation or something, and we really need to start talking about bee rescue um, because mm -hmm. that's another crisis that we're facing if we don't pay attention. So, and the other thing, if you have a bee off in your garden, and, you know, if you, you don't, we have four, including the wild one, three um, different ones. But they like steroids for your garden because your harvest stays longer. You get more fruit. You get everything helps because, you know, you the have flower goes, ah, oh, we've got bees. So let's yeah. produce more. And, you know, so it's a, it's better than any fertilizer, having yeah. a bee colony in your house because you get beautiful, more bountiful flowers and more healthier fruit because of these amazing uh, critters we have. Okay, so you, you've told us that you can get most of your stuff from the various uh, garden centers, but yes. if people want to get hold of you to find out more about uh, becoming more sustainable in their gardens, how would they do uh, that? They can go on to earthprobiotic.coza, so E-A-R-T-H, earthprobiotic, P-R-O-B-I-O-T-I-C, uh, .coza and they can see what products we have there as well as our blog pieces where we talk a lot about this stuff, about mulching, what to do with leaves, why don't you shouldn't throw away your ash after your wooden fire and all of these type of stuff. 
So it's stuff we, we talk about. Our business is all about um, composting of food waste, um, using uh, microorganisms, Bokashi systems and all that. You know, it's a bit bigger like that. So we're passionate about everything that relates to soil health and, as you say, uh, enriching, enriching the earth. earth. Yes. Right, that's it. We've got yeah. to get out of here, unfortunately. Michael? Yeah, I have to go save another bee, and I'm off to do some mulching. So from my side until next time, cheerio, everybody. <laughs> and don't forget, you can join us again next week for more fabulous stuff from the world of gardening. Just get out there and stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.